0: The Employment Hour, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 821 5900 anytime, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We will machete our way through a bunch of emails today. I want to remind you as well, if you haven't checked it out, severancepaycalculator.com. We'll dig in with more detail about that particular uh, amazing little tool that's been online for about uh, four years, give or take for now. We'll get to the uh, worst times for an employer to terminate employment in just a bit. But first, we always start every show with the week that was. Hey, pal, what's going on?
1: Hey Johnny, thank you very much. Really glad to be back here and to talk about the uh, workplace rights. Another uh, very very busy week. Uh, it's been a there was a story earlier in the Star this week about uh, uh, about 75% or more of employers not complying with the employment standards act, not meeting their legal obligations. And when I was asked to comment, my comment was I was surprised that it's only 75%. Uh in my experience, uh, the the lack of uh compliance is much much higher than that. And that's just a a long way of saying that people should be aware of their legal rights because you cannot count on your employer complying with it. You cannot count on your employer doing what they're supposed to do. That should be the case, but the reality is it's not always the case. That's why we do the show, to inform, to educate, to make you understand what your rights are. So pay attention. We'll be talking about some very important things over the next uh, hour or so. And to start us off, John, as you said, couple of situations that I uh, dealt with, very interesting ones, uh, both of them. First one, John, uh, was uh, ha- comes down to the idea of that an employer has to investigate harassment obligations. Except this one had an interesting twist. Uh, I got a call from a gentleman who was fired earlier uh, that day, uh, saying that his employer came to him and said a coworker of yours, a female coworker. Uh, made some serious allegations about you, that you're, you're harassing her, that you're making inappropriate sexual remarks, that you're trying to uh, pick her up, so to speak, and we can't have that, uh, that's unacceptable, that's contrary to our expectations and policies, and, and you're gone, you're fired. Uh, immediately, right away, no severance, no nothing. And he called me, and I asked him, well, wait a second, did you, did you actually do it? We got talking, and here's what actually happened. Uh, what happened is he uh, dated a coworker. He broke off the relationship with her several weeks prior. Since then, she was trying to convince him to get back together. She's sending him emails. Uh, she's uh, uh, calling him, and he's rebuffing her attempts. He's saying, not interested, not interested. And it appears that what happened is to, to vent her frustrations and to try to get the measure of vengeance, she went to the employer and made bogus allegations. So what did this employer do? Well, it didn't really do anything. It heard her version of events, didn't look at emails, didn't ask for his opinion, simply fired him on the spot. That's ridiculous. That's nonsense. The fact that I say employers have to deal with these issues doesn't matter that you can just choose to not investigate and, and just take one version of facts over the other. An employer has an active duty to investigate, to determine what actually happened, to look at the evidence, to interview people. They can't just listen to someone and make conclusions. That's that's a waste of time. So in this case, the employer's failure to investigate and, and failure to realize what actually happened made it so, so they let this guy go improperly. It was a wrongful dismissal. Uh, and in fact, who should have been disciplined is this lady who made up the bogus allegations. So if you're ever in that situation... If you are uh, being disciplined, let go without evidence, without proper investigations. Remember that cannot happen. You have to give me a call in that situation because your entitlements can be significant.
0: That was that that that's pretty crazy what she did though. That's like that's bordering on bunny boiler. I mean, that's you know, and they and they just took her word for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's Glenn Close level, I think. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's, that's pretty uh, pretty bad.
0: Yeah, what else you got going on?
1: So the second situation, John, I'm going to tell you about again has an interesting twist. Uh, a very nice lady. I worked for a company for 10 years as a bookkeeper. Called me, uh, and uh, wh- why did she call me? Is well, she was let go a couple weeks earlier, uh, and she was provided with eight weeks severance by her employer. There's nothing to sign. They simply said, "We're giving you eight weeks severance as per our legal obligations." She thought nothing of it. She accepted it, uh, deposited the money, all gone, fine. Except she gets a letter from the employer two weeks later saying. We just realized we had made a mistake. Because we're a small company with a small payroll, we're not required to pay you severance. So you, employee, have to pay us the money back. So our mistake, but we paid you this money inappropriately. We need you to pay the money back. And that's why she called me. She wanted to know, well, Lior, do I have to pay this money back? What what do I do here? I don't have the money. I've spent the money. And that's when I, 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 I try to not laugh because this employer is ridiculous. Not only does she not have to pay the money back, she was owed a lot more (laughs) than eight weeks' pay. She probably is owed eight, nine, ten months' pay, John. So this employer fell through for one of the biggest misconceptions out there, and that is that only large employers have to pay uh, severance. That is wrong. All employers are obligated to pay severance. And this employer, if they had just let sleeping dogs lie, she, she wouldn't have known better. She would have accepted it. Now that she spoke to me, she knows not only does she not have to pay the money back; they owe her another thirty or forty thousand dollars. So uh, that's a very important lesson for their, uh, for employers and employees. Remember, size of the payroll does not matter. You work for a small company, a large company, you get severance if you lost your job.
0: Just as a sidebar, where does that whole thing come from? That uh, you know, small employee, two and a half million dollar payroll, blah blah blah. Where does that misconception come from?
1: Well, John, it comes from my, my good friends, my, my, my brothers, really, at the Ministry of Labor. <laughs> Shocking. Okay? The Ministry of Labor outlines what a person's minimum entitlements are, as we've said on the show before. And yes, your minimum entitlements may depend on the size of the company's payroll. But your full entitlements, your entitlements under what we call the common law, mm-hmm. have absolutely nothing to do with the company's size or the company's payroll. So what does that all mean? As I've said... You get severance, the same amount of severance, whether you work for a big company or a small company, and I can't tell you how many employers, and forget about employees, a lot of employees, but a lot of employers, too, are under the misapprehension that because they have a small business, they don't have to pay the same amount of severance.
0: We'll take a, a short break. We'll get into the severance pay calculator as soon as we get back. Some of your emails as well, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 855 821 5900 and Leor at employmenthour.com, talk radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 is that number anytime. Write that down. Keep it in your wallet. Keep it on your phone. Keep it in your contacts. You want to get a hold of Leor on the outside through email, Lior, Leor at employmenthour.com. Give me some details on this fantastic severance pay calculator again.
1: Yeah, John. I think I've heard of it before. Yeah. Uh, the severance pay yeah the severance pay calculator. It's a tool that I created. Uh, God, almost four years ago now, three and a half or so years ago. And and you know the name tells you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. What does it do? It calculates how much severance you're owed or how much severance you have to pay if you're an employer. Severancepaycalculator.com dot com is the address. You simply go to severancepaycalculator.com and you input your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and that's it. You're done. It tells you how many months' pay you are owed. It's very simple to use. Tens of thousands of people have used it. Thousands of people use it every month. Make it the first place you go to if you lost your job. Don't be. Don't fall into one of those traps that we talked about in the earlier segment about not knowing what you're owed, about being under mis- misapprehension. Always go to severancepaycalculator.com.
0: We're going to get into this, and that is the worst times for an employer to terminate employment. This is a, a fantastic list. This might affect you possibly. Listen to these as we uh, go through them here. Uh, when employee asks about a disability leave or comes back from a disability leave,
1: yeah, John, and and you know, I, I think these things. The list we're going to go through now is a very, very important one uh, because there are uh, there are situations where it's even worse than usual. To terminate someone, what I mean by that is you have additional exposure if you're the employer where the termination itself may be illegal irrespective of the amount of severance. So if you're in one of those situations that we're going to be talking about right now and you lost your job in one of those situations, it's even more important than usual to get legal advice. You always, always should get legal advice. But if you're in one of those situations, even much more important. So the first situation, as we've talked about, John, as you just mentioned, is if you're inquiring about a disability leave or maybe you're coming back from a disability leave. And the reason why it's a bad time or an illegal time to terminate someone in those situations is because now we're infringing on this issue of human rights. Under the Human Rights Code, you cannot let someone go because they're sick or because they're about to go on a sick leave. Your termination decision cannot be tainted at all by the sickness, by the the, uh, disability, in any way, shape, or form. So if you let someone go, when they're asking, you know, can I go on a disability leave? Okay, you're fired the next day. Well, that makes it seem, obviously, that you're letting them go because of that. Or if they just came back from disability leave and you turn around and let them go, again, it makes it look like you let them go because they were on a disability leave. That's illegal. Now, it may just be a coincidence. You may not have let them go because of the disability leave. But just the timing itself can make it look like that, that 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 was the reason. And now you've created this human rights issue. So it's illegal to let someone go for a a medical reason because they're in a a disability leave or they have a medical condition. And if you do that as the employer, not only are you going to have to pay severance, you're going to have to pay enhanced severance. Mm -hmm. And you also may be liable to human rights damages. If you're an employee in that situation, first thing you do, first thing you do if you lost your job you have to give me a call.
0: With that question, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is uh, Leor's number. Anytime talking about the worst times for an employer to terminate employment when an employee makes an inquiries about overtime pay and vacation pay and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, and and a very very bad time to let them go. So wait a second, employer, I I, I just found out that I should be getting overtime pay, or I don't believe you've calculated my vacation pay or my holiday pay correctly, etc. You're fired. Wait a second, you can't do that. That's what we call a reprisal. A reprisal is a situation where an employee is inquiring or trying to enforce their legal rights, and as a result, they are fired. You cannot do that. The Employment Standards Act makes it very, very clear that if an employee is trying to enforce their rights, they're let go, that's illegal. You may be liable for compensation to pay the employee beyond the severance. There may be fines that the Ministry of Labor, our friends can impose on you, so you can never, ever let someone go because they've inquired about their legal rights, legal entitlements. Now, they may be asking for overtime that they're not owed, and that's okay. You can tell them, here's why you're not owed overtime. But even if they're not owed something and their requests are are, are wrong, you cannot let them go for making their request. You absolutely cannot do that. And again, if you're an employee, a lot of employees are worried about going to their employer and trying to enforce their rights or even asking about their rights because they're worried about losing their job. Remember, you cannot lose your job. That would be illegal. And if that were to happen, yeah, we can come, come down hard on the employer. Mm-hmm. Give me a call.
0: We're talking uh, the worst times for an employer to terminate employment. We'll get to our next point here. That is if the employee is working on a fixed term agreement that hasn't ended yet.
1: Yeah, and the reason why that's a bad time is because you may have to pay, if you're the employer, a lot more money than usual. The rule with a fixed-term agreement, and by the way, John, what I mean by a fixed-term agreement, as the name suggests, it's an agreement for a specified period of time. So rather than an indefinite agreement, it's for 6 months, 12 months, whatever, 24 months, anything like that, a fixed term. So what the rule is if you lose your job before the end of the term, you have to get paid out the balance of the term. So if I'm uh, working on a two-year fixed-term agreement, a two-year employment agreement, and I'm let go after three months, well, guess what? Forget about regular severance. The employer has to pay me the remaining 21 months' pay. Mm -hmm. So if you're that employer, that's a terrible time to let someone go. Uh, How do you deal with that? Well, the best way for the employer to deal with that is to get or to put in the agreement what I call an early exit clause. To put something in the agreement that says, if we want to let you go before the end of the term, we're going to do this. We're going to pay you X. And in that case, you give yourself that out. But if you don't have that out, it's a terrible time to let someone go before the agreement has expired because you have to pay the balance. So in that case, you may as well keep them at the end, at least get some value out of the money you're going to have to pay the employee not a good idea to to just pay it up.
0: The number 855 821 5900 here we continue in this segment talking about the worst times for an employer to terminate employment. This one is an absolute beauty. Not a gimme, but uh, we've talked about it so many times before and that is when an employee announces pregnancy or comes back from a mat leave. Hello. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, and you can't do that. And This ties into the very first point we were talking about which is when an employee uh, has a disability leave issue. The same rules apply here, except even more so. Now we're talking about human rights, potentially. Now we're talking about violations of the Employment Standards Act. An employee cannot be penalized in any way, shape, or form for being pregnant, for, being going, for going on a maternity leave, or a dad for going on a parental leave. You cannot be disciplined. You cannot be fired. You have to be given the same job. These are some of the most fundamental employment law protections that we have here in Canada. And then, and despite what I just said, it's it's shocking to me how many times employers disregard them. So, yeah, and we have an employee that's about to go on a mad leave. Let's let her go. Or we have an employee that's coming back. Well, we like her replacement better, so let's not bring her mm-hmm. back. Again, you can't do that. That's illegal. So whenever you're in that situation, remember, if you're the employer, don't do it. If you're going to let someone go, distance yourself from the maternity leave or, or the parental leave. Bring them back and see how things go in the future. And if you still have to let them go down the road, maybe let them go then. Don't let them go as soon as they come back from ad leave. And please, for for, for God's sake, if you're an employee uh, coming back from a parental leave and, and your employer does anything to you, you know what to do. You get legal advice. You give me a call.
0: 1-855-821-5900 is that number. Lior at com. Take a short break. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming right up. Talk Radio AM 640 And AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900. Lior at employmenthour.com is the email address we were talking about before the break. Uh, The worst times for an employer to terminate employment. We'll get through a few more of these. Uh, When an employee raises harassment allegations against a boss or a co-worker. That's a good one.
1: Terrible times. So here's a very common uh, scenario. Uh, Employee goes to the employer, raises these harassment allegations. Someone is mistreating them. Employer ignores them. They go back to the employer and they say, Employer, please do something about it. I'm being harassed. Employer ignores them again. Third time employee comes back, same. Please, please do something. I'm being harassed. You have to do something. Employer is upset, turns around and say, you know what? We're going to let you go. It's not working out. Well, wait a second. No, you cannot do that. And, And the reason you cannot do that is because the law is very, very clear here. That you have to investigate these harassment obligations. Number one. So number one, you have to do something about these harassment obligations uh, allegations. But beyond that, you cannot let someone go because they raised harassment allegations, even if they're ultimately turned turned out to be not legit. You can't do that. Okay, it's it's illegal. The uh, Occupational Health and Safety Act require or makes that a reprisal, just like we mm-hmm. talked about before. So because of that, if an employee does uh, raise these allegations, you investigate and you you determine that the uh, allegations were wrong, okay, you can't fire them. The only time you'd be able to fire them is if you find out that they raised it in bad faith. So like we were talking about in the the week that was, if that lady is, is determined to have raised harassment allegations against her former boyfriend for the only reason of getting her boyfriend in trouble and getting him fired, well, that's not something she's allowed to do. She may be able to be disciplined then. But beyond that, an employer should never, ever terminate someone when they're raising harassment obligations or allegations because as an employee, you want to know that you, you're free to raise these allegations. You don't want uh, to be afraid of, to raise these allegations and then suffer uh, quietly because you're afraid your employer is going to let you go. So extremely important for both employers and employees to understand that.
0: One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 821 5900 is the number. This one is like uh, got a big fat O oh for obvious, but here we are. Right before an employee is due, a large bonus or commission payment. Out you go. <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah, and, and, and very bad because if you do that, if I owe you a lot of money and I'm going to have to pay you that money on Jan 1, so I let you go December 1 to avoid that. Well, guess what? Uh, that's bad faith, right? And and our courts don't look very kindly on that. Our courts don't like it when people uh, don't get paid what they're owed or when the employers try to pick convenient termination mm-hmm. dates to avoid paying people bonuses, pay raises, whatever it is that the employee was otherwise doing. So uh, that's a, just a bad practice, bad idea. All that means is if, if you're the employer and you do that and you get caught doing that, well, you're not only going to have to pay the usual severance, you may also have to pay what we call bad faith damages. In other words, because we as a as a legal system disagree and disapprove with your conduct, we may make you pay more money to, uh, to punish you, so to speak, for acting in bad faith. So because of that, employers have to understand that if you owe someone money, you pay that money. You can't pick a convenient termination date. Uh, you can't just be creative and find ways to avoid that. As a legal system, we're smarter than that. We can see through that, and we can punish those that choose to ignore those obligations.
0: Some people would say, though, or at least argue that you know, based on commissions, I mean, these might be commissions if you get let go in November. These commissions don't come due till January, so therefore you weren't working here when the commissions were paid out. But they can't get away with that, can they?
1: Well, if you've done your job, if, if you've done everything you're supposed to do to earn the commission, so I, I've, I was able to, to sell the product, Product is sold, but the money only comes in uh, in two months, and that's when the commissions are due. Well, I should get the commissions whenever the money comes in because I did my job. Now, if I didn't do the full job and uh, the sale was in process and it wasn't finished, and someone else had to finish it, there may be an argument there as to why the employer won't have to pay the commission. But if you're uh, getting commission paid and you've done everything you're supposed to do to earn that commission and you're let go, then you're still going to build that commission even if the payment comes after you were let go. Uh, And for many people, that can mean a lot of money.
0: We'll get to one more here in the worst times for an employer to terminate employment right after you reduce the employee's compensation or you get them to sign, we love this one, a new contract of employment.
1: That's right, John. That is a very bad time for employment to be terminated. In fact, it's so bad that an employer that does that could be liable for punitive damages, also other damages for bad faith. So let me break this down. If you already know you're going to let someone go and you're trying to, at that point, minimize your obligations by being creative, that's wrong. That's bad faith. Uh, A way employers may do that is they say, okay, well, I know I want to let John go. And I understand now that if I let John go, I have to pay him a year's severance, a year's salary. That's too much. I don't want to have to pay him that. So let me think. Here's what I'm going to do instead. I'm going to have John sign a new employment agreement today. That agreement is going to limit John's entitlements, and it's it's going to say that I only have to pay John three months' pay, and then I'm going to turn around in a few weeks and let him go, and now, thankfully, I, I saved myself a whack of money. Well, wait a second. Not so fast. You can't do that if you know you're going to be letting someone go. That's bad faith. That's just acting in a way that the law doesn't deem to be acceptable. It's okay to ask someone to sign a new employment agreement, but you cannot do that uh, if you already know you're going to be letting them go. So it's a very bad idea to turn around to an employee that just signed an employment agreement and say, aha, you know that employment agreement that you signed a week ago, a month ago, we're going to rely on it now and let you go. So if you've been asked to sign an employment agreement and your employer turns around to let you to let you go, I could probably get you out of that agreement. There's going to be bad faith damages uh, and employees should never, ever, ever do that. And of course, if you are asked to sign a new employment agreement while you're already working, and I've said this before, that's bad news. There's a reason for that. And the reason is not to give you, the employee, a better deal Mm -hmm. than what you had before. The reason, the only reason why your employer is going to come to you once you've already started working and ask you to sign an employment agreement, the reason for that is that agreement is a better deal for the employer than what they already have. So never a good idea to just turn around and sign an employment agreement in that situation. You have to understand what it says. If you don't, that's just a recipe for disaster down the road.
0: Going to talk more of our topics of worst times for an employer to terminate employment. Get to a couple emails as well. In the meantime, as we take a short pause here. SeverancePayCalculator.com. You'll want to check that out. And the number anytime, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And email is leor at EmploymentHour.com. More of the Employment Hour coming right up. Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. Leor at employmenthour.com. And we'll run through it again before the end of the show, and that would be the Severance Pay Calculator. That can be seen as we chat here. You can try it out, severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what you're really owed as far as your full entitlements are concerned when it comes to your severance package. The worst times for an employer to terminate employment. Right after you reduce the employee compensation or get him to sign, yeah, a new contract of employment. How about that one?
1: Yeah, John, and and certainly if you reduce an employee's compensation, that is – so first of all, that's not something that you're allowed to do. As we've said before on the show, uh, if an employer wants to reduce the employee's compensation, the employee may be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal and require the employer to pay them full severance. So in many cases, most cases, the employee doesn't have to accept it. But what if the employee wants to be a good soldier and say, you know, I'm going to be a team player. I'm going to accept the salary reduction. I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to do it. So the employee accepts the salary reduction. If the employer then turns around and lets them go, well, guess what? Now the employer has to pay less severance because the severance is calculated based on the new salary, which is lower. So if you're if you're the employer, and as I said before, you know you're going to be letting the employee go, one of the ways you may think to to uh, reduce your liability is to say to yourself, what if I reduce the employee's salary and then let him go? Then I have to pay them less severance. Again, you can't do that. That's bad faith, because if you already know you're going to let someone go to to be uh, de- deceitful like that and reduce their salary is is not something you can do. It's bad faith, and the law would consider that to be illegal. So uh, that's a very bad idea for the employer. And if you're ever in that situation as an employee and your employer reduced your pay and then turned around to let you go and try to pay you less severance because of it, well, no, they can't do that. You, you're still going to get your full severance. And beyond that, the employer may be penalized, of course, for the uh, for the conduct that they've, uh, they've engaged in. And the last comment I'll make, again, related to this, is if your employer does want to reduce your pay, Here's why you want to consider not accepting it. Well, the obvious reason is you don't want to get paid less, Mm -hmm. but it goes beyond that. If you accept that salary reduction, then you, of course, run the risk of this happening again because by accepting it, you've given your employer the permission, arguably, to do it again in the future. So you only have one kick at the can when it comes to a constructive dismissal. If this is uh, the first time your employer is reducing your salary, you can treat that as a constructive dismissal and say, Absolutely not. On the other hand, if this is now the second or the third time that this is happening, that ship is sailed. And at that point, if you don't accept that's just a resignation, otherwise you're, you're stuck with it. So you don't want to give your employer the right to change your compensation. You really don't. Uh, and if your employer is going to be doing that, you may be better off leaving with severance and finding another job, John.
0: one 821 5900 Before we uh, bounce over to our next topic for the uh, the show today, I want to get to an email here. just came in from Sean. says uh, it is Lior at employmenthour.com, by the way, the address. Sean says, I've been given two choices, to reduce my hours significantly or to relocate from Toronto up to
1: Barrie. What are my rights? Well, those are not the only options. Okay, (laughs) let's make it very clear, uh, Sean. Uh, Do you have a third option? Uh, The third option is to say absolutely not. And if your employer imposes one of those two uh, situations on you—either less pay or a relocation—you then can treat that as a constructive dismissal and leave with severance. Now, your employer can't reduce your hours significantly, uh, again, certainly if if that comes with a reduction in pay, which it would, and they certainly can't uh, relocate you from uh, Toronto to Barrie or for any uh, other uh, distance that's significant like that, because by doing that, that's a a, a fundamental change to the terms of your employment. So either one of those situations would result in a constructive dismissal. So if they're not acceptable, Sean, you simply tell your employer, no, I'm happy to continue with my, my same job at the same pay at the same location. And then, and at that point, it becomes on them mm-hmm. to force the issue. If they force the issue and they say, well, then we've decided for you, you're uh, being reduced from 40 hours to 30 hours effective Monday, well, then you can treat that as a constructive dismissal and get your full severance. Before you quit, John, before you uh, resign, give me a call. I don't want you or anyone, by the way, that's, uh, that's faced with a potential constructive dismissal to resign or quit before they speak to me. That's an extremely important thing to remember. But Sean, you have another option, and and uh, I I, th- I suggest you take it.
0: Yeah, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. Got a couple minutes left till we break, so we'll get into this one at least to uh, scratch the surface. Anyway, hiring new employees. So what can that, What can an employer ask? Everyone I know, you get uh, calls about this all the time. What can an employer ask about an interview that is considered uh, you know quote unquote taboo?
1: Yeah and and a lot of employers think and it's usually kind of more old fashioned uh, employers or or old fashioned individuals feel that everything is fair game and mm-hmm. you know we don't really mean anything by it so because we don't mean anything bad we can ask whatever we want and you know you you'll see Uh, women being asked during the job interviews about how many kids they're going to have and if they're going to take maternity (laughs) leaves. Absolutely. Uh, You you would see people uh, asked about their their racial background and whether or not uh, that impacts their ability to do their job. Uh, You know, you'll see all those types of questions, and those are inappropriate. Now, it's quite possible that they're asked innocently, I say, quote, unquote, and that Mm -hmm. the employer doesn't really mean anything by it, but they're still taboo. You cannot ask any, anyone anything that could relate to a discriminatory ground. So there's certain grounds that you can't discriminate people on. You can't discriminate people based on race, ethnicity, disability, uh, sexual orientation, pregnancy, etc., so on those, you can't ask questions that relate to that. So you can't ask someone about whether they have a, a disability, except once you've offered the job, you need to know maybe if you need to accommodate them. Right. You can't ask them if they're gay or straight. You can't ask them if they're going to have kids or take maternity leave, etc. Those questions, the reason you can't ask them is because the answer to those questions cannot factor at all into you deciding mm-hmm. whether someone should be getting a job. So if the, those answers cannot be considered at all, as to whether you're going to offer someone a job, you can ask the questions. And a lot of employers have found themselves facing a human rights complaint uh, when they've asked those inappropriate questions. So the advice for the employer, don't ask those questions. Uh, focus on the things that are related and relevant to the job experience, uh, what they bring to the table, their strengths and weaknesses, etc. Don't focus on irrelevant things, certainly not things that could potentially be discriminatory.
0: We'll take a uh, short one the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, Leor at employment hour.com. We'll try to get through another email as well and continue with this topic of hiring new employees right here on the Employment Hour Talk Radio, AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. The number anytime, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, Leor at employment hour.com. If you haven't checked it out, go to severancepaycalculator.com, find out what you're really owed, your full entitlements of your severance package pretty much guaranteed it's going to be uh, a wee bit short compared to the one you got sitting in front of you right now, so have a look at that so we're talking about hiring new employees so what can an employee do if he feels that uh, you know nah, they were they were not hired for uh, you know improper reasons maybe some of the stuff you mentioned before
1: yeah and, and this happens quite often I, I get calls like that all the time employees feeling that uh, something was not right something was not kosher when when they didn't get a job or how the interview went and that maybe there were some irrelevant and inappropriate considerations that factored into the employer's decision. Now, really the only remedy in a situation like that is a human rights complaint. If you uh, were not hired or not considered for a job because of an irrelevant and illegal reason, you can file a human rights complaint, and if you're successful, of course, then you can get damages uh, and, and be compensated for having your rights being violated. Now, the, the problem always in a case like this is being able, of course, to prove what happened. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, if your employer is at, or or the person interviewing you is asking you illegal and irrelevant questions, they're not likely to admit it later on. Okay, They're, they're not because they know that if they did, they'll be in trouble. So oftentimes it becomes a, a he said, she said type of a situation. Or other times you may not actually be asked irrelevant questions, but you still feel that maybe the reason you weren't offered the job is because of your race, for example. Uh, No one asked you about your race, but you showed up and you you felt that they didn't like you, and maybe that's why. Again, the problem is how do we prove that uh, you were not hired because of your race or because of an illegal reason? Uh, And that's not a question that has a simple answer. In many cases, it is difficult to prove. Uh, oftentimes, we simply have to look at the circumstances. So we have to look at uh, you know, if there's a reason they didn't hire, what is that reason? Is that relevant? Can they can they establish that that was legitimate? Can you establish that it's likely that they considered an, an appropriate uh, uh, reason in not hiring you? So these things are not straightforward, uh, but I, so, I certainly don't want to discourage people from pursuing their rights and entitlements. Uh, actually, my firm, we were successful uh, about a year ago or so, a year and a half, I think now, uh, on behalf of a lawyer, believe it or not, that was uh, rejected for his jo- at a new job because of his age, and we filed a human rights complaint and were able to prove that they didn't hire him, or at least one of the reasons they didn't hire him was because of, of his age, and and that was illegal. So if you feel you've been discriminated against, you were not hired or offered a job, or or the interview was uh, where you asked uh, inappropriate questions. Give me a call. We can talk about whether it makes sense to pursue this matter, and talk about what kind of compensation you could expect to get.
0: Say the job is something like uh, you know you're uh, not a doorman, but you're a uh, person at the front of the restaurant, like a maitre d or something. And uh, you know you're interviewing the job, and your your grasp on English is just not strong enough to be doing something to greeting uh, customers. Can you refuse the work because of that?
1: Yeah, and there's such a thing called a bona fide occupational requirement. Cool. So certain jobs may have absolute requirements that allow people to distinguish amongst employees. So if the type of job that I have, uh, requires you to be, uh, let's say of, a of a certain age, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're selling, um, uh, equipment to, uh, or or clothes to teenagers. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, it's a requirement that you be of a certain age, or maybe as you said, that you have to be able to speak English. That's very clear. Uh, whereas, you know, if you're sitting in front of a computer, that might not be as relevant. So in some situations, An employer is allowed to, quote-unquote, discriminate as long as the the rule doesn't specifically target a particular group and as long as there's a bona fide occupational uh, requirement. In some situations, for example, uh, someone may have to wear a helmet. Uh, to do their job uh, for safety reasons. And for some people, maybe uh, someone that uh, wears something else on their head, whether it's a yarmulke or a a turban or anything like that, they may not be able to wear a helmet. Well, if the requirement to wear a helmet is legitimate and it's there for safety reasons, the employer can say, well, I'm not going to be able to hire you because your religion doesn't allow you to put a helmet on your head. If that is the case, well, even though strictly discriminatory, it would be excusable but generally speaking, it is the exception, John, rather than the rule, that the employer can say that there's a bona fide occupational requirement.
0: We'll take, a, uh, we'll take a short break here in a minute. I want to get through this one first, and this is hiring new employees. So what are the risks uh, for employers and employees of working with headhunters? Is there any?
1: Yeah, there, there is, and, and mostly for employers, but employees as well. And the risk for the employer is if you're not the one speaking to the employee that you're hiring, then you don't know what they're being told. Okay, You yeah. don't know what they're being told. If someone else is doing the hiring and the recruitment for you, you have no idea what they're being told both about, about you, about the job, about the expectations, about the requirements, anything. And you may have an employee that is accepting a job based on what they're understood to be the terms and only to find out later on that uh, what they were, believed was wrong. So I've had situations where a recruiter tells an employee, oh, yeah, yeah you'll get a pay raise after the first year and the employee starts working, and after a year, asks the employer, okay, where's my pay raise? And the employer says, what are you talking about? There's no pay raise. Well, the recruiter told me. Well, okay, so we have to be very careful about that because sometimes what the recruiter may say, if the recruiter can establish things, could form part of the recruitment or part of the employment agreement, uh, even though the employer may not realize it. So the best lesson for employers is, to make it very clear to the employee that uh, they have to sign an employment agreement and it's only the terms in the employment agreement that are going to apply and that there's nothing other than what's in the employment agreement that has been agreed to. The same thing and in reverse applies to employees. If a recruiter makes you a promise, you want that to be confirmed by the employer. Don't take the recruiter's word for it. You want to hear it from the actual employer uh, if you're going to be relying on it.
0: We'll take a, uh, that short break. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 821 5900 is the number to get a hold of Lior now outside of show hours as well. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Employment Hour continues. Talk radio, AM 640 and AM 900. CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 821 5900 is the number. If you haven't been there, check out severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what your severance offer really should be. We're getting into uh, some emails here. Ron says, my employer let me go a week after I came back from a medical leave. I just found an ad online where they have posted for replacement for me, my job. Can they do this?
1: Yeah, Ron, well, the short answer is they can't, and and, and here's why. If the termination had absolutely nothing to do with the fact that you were on a medical leave, well, it would be legal, right? That would be legal if it had absolutely nothing to do with it. They were simply uh, closing down the department and let everyone go, fine. They let you go. You get full severance but the termination itself is not illegal as long as you get full severance. Well, if you're telling me that they let you go when you came back or you were coming back from a disability leave, but clearly it wasn't just a neutral move because they're actually hiring a replacement, that, that makes me ma- makes it look and makes me think that the reason they let you go had something to do with your medical leave of absence. And if that's the case, it's a human rights matter. So now, all of a sudden, it's not just about severance. The termination itself is illegal, and you may be owed human rights damages. So because of that, I really do want to speak to you. I want us to to get into a bit more detail as to uh, exactly the timing they let you go, what they said to you, uh, what you understand uh, to have happened with the job while you were away, uh, and and for us to determine whether there's legitimately a human rights issue here. Either way, uh, of course, you are owed severance based on your age, your position, and the length of your employment, but you also could be entitled to human rights damages.
0: Leor L I O R at employmenthour dot com is the email Debbie writes in says, you know, Leor always talks about negotiating severance, but my employer told me that they've made me a good severance offer. They're not going to increase it. That's it. Should I bother yeah. having my severance offer reviewed? You think?
1: Yeah, and you know, it's uh, it, it is the very rare employer that's going to say to you, "Here's your severance offer, but it's not really good. It's kind of crappy." So uh, <laughs> go have a look at it. <laughs> make sure you have Leor look at it. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely not. Uh, The employer wants one thing. The the employer wants you to sign off on that severance letter so they they can put that letter in the drawer and move on and forget about it. Now, there's two possibilities. I told you that over 90% of people uh, get inadequate severance, and by the way, I'm being conservative. There's two possibilities here. Either the employer legitimately believes that their offer is terrific. Mm -hmm. but That said, in most cases, they're wrong, absolutely wrong, and it's far from being terrific. Or the employer knows that it's not good, but they hope to convince you that it is, so you just accept it without thinking about it. Either way, your responsibility is to make sure that the severance is fine. It's not your employer's responsibility to tell you what it is. You have to now determine that. So you call me. You go to the severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com. I have had so many situations where uh, people came to me after their employer assured them that this was a great, generous offer, and it turned out to be pennies on the dollar. So please make sure you get that advice. Make sure you understand exactly what you're owed before you accept it. Hey, and if it turns out after that, at the end of that process that the offer was great, terrific. That's good news. You can go ahead and just accept it. But it's your responsibility to make sure that that's the case. You cannot take your employer's word for it.
0: 1-855-821-5900, Lior at EmploymentHour.com. I think we got time for one more. Uh, I'll get to Richard, says, uh, I've been suspended without pay for the last week, pending an investigation of my expense account. I didn't do anything wrong. Do I have to wait for the company to call me back to work?
1: Well, you know, here's the the problem. If you've been suspended without pay pending an investigation, a suspension without pay is a disciplinary matter. He's already guilty. So if exactly. <laughs> so if they've already treated you like you're guilty in order to for them to determine or while they're determining if you are guilty, <laughs> where well, they've put the cart before the horse. Okay. They can't penalize you in order to determine if they should be penalizing you. Uh, It's okay to suspend someone with pay pending an investigation while you're trying to determine if the employee did something wrong, but you can't punish them uh, prematurely. So based on that, I can tell you that right now you're you're in a position to treat this as a constructive dismissal, if you so choose. So your choices are either treat this as a constructive dismissal or wait – the other option could be I can give them a bit of a kick in the pants for you and say, no, no, you've got to stop the suspension and either put them on a paid suspension or decide what you're doing here. You cannot be put on an unpaid suspension if you've done nothing wrong while the employer is trying to investigate. Illegal.
0: We'll uh, take it from there, my friend. Until next time, we'll give you some information, some numbers you need to have uh, on you. Lior's number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred emails Lior l i o r at employmenthour.com and if you haven't used it uh, yet severancepaycalculator.com find out what you're really owed as far as your severance your compensation is concerned and get the real number you can contact Lior from that uh, from that calculator as well till next time this has been the employment hour right here talk radio am 640 and am 900 chml